0: Well, I want to preach to you this morning about the fire of God. I've called this message Fire Works. That's two words, not one word. Fire Works. And I'll tell you, we need to have the fire of God working in our life. And so we're going to see both the, the concept of fire and the works <laughs> in our message today. But Hebrews chapter 12, as we begin there, it's a very, very simple. It says, for our God is a consuming fire. And you know, the number one thing we need to realize is that God himself is referred to in the scripture as fire. We see our God is a consuming fire here in Hebrews 12, 29. You also remember that when God was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, he manifested himself as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. You remember that when God entered into covenant with Abraham, and Abraham actually slew that animal and divided the pieces. And after it was dark, it said that, that he saw what looked like a, a, a smoking furnace and a burning torch walking through those pieces. That was God manifesting himself in the fire as he made covenant with his friend, Abraham. We also know this, that God's the God who answers by fire. You'll never forget it if you've never heard it before. What an amazing happening that took place in the Old Testament in the book of 1 Kings. When you had the prophet Elijah versus all the false prophets of the day there in the land of Israel. The prophets of Baal. And there was a showdown going on. A showdown between the real man of God and the wannabes but ain't. The fakes, the phonies. And they gathered together on Mount Carmel. And they had a sacrifice and Elijah said, we'll do it like this. You call on whoever your God is and I'll call on the Lord God. And the God who answers by fire, let him be God. And so those prophets of Baal got to going. They got to calling. They got to cutting themselves. They got to doing all their gyrations and things that they were trying to do to conjure up their fire and couldn't do a thing. And Elijah, at this point, is having fun. He's just making fun of them. I mean, think about to have such confidence in God. You won against 400, and yet the one's the most confident one of the bunch. Come on, somebody. He's the one who said, well, maybe he went on vacation. As a matter of fact, one translation says maybe he's using the facilities right now. Dear Lord. I mean, he's just having a grand old time picking on these people because they're not getting any kind of results. And yet, all right, Elijah said, y'all done now? It's my turn. So he says, go ahead, pour some water on there. Pour some water on the sacrifice. And think about this. This is a time of famine, too, so water is scarce to begin with. Pour some water in there. Do it again. Do it again. I mean, got that thing good and drenched. And then he called on the Lord as God and the Lord answered by fire, sent fire down, consumed that offering, licked up all the water. I mean, what was wet one minute got dry in a hurry. Let me tell you, because God answered by fire and showed everybody that he is God. You know, it's interesting. You, You think about how things are going to be in heaven. Revelation gives a picture Of of that beautiful city. It says there will be no night there. There there won't be any lamp or light. There won't be a need for it. There, There won't be a need for the sun. Because the Lord himself will provide the light. So you don't need a lamp. With a little flame coming out the lamp. You don't need the fire of the sun. All you need is him. And he'll light up. That wonderful heavenly city. Hallelujah. There's another reference over in Revelation. Talking about the appearance of Jesus as John was describing him. Looked a little different from how we saw him the first time when he was here on earth. Saw him in a glorified fashion. And one of the features he described of Jesus said his eyes were like flames of fire. And the scripture also says over in Psalms that God will light our lamp. Well if he's going to light our lamp he needs to be the source of the light. So we see all over the scripture, and those are just name a few, that our God is a consuming fire. We also see in the word of God that his word is a fire. Don't you know that uh, Jeremiah 23 29, you can write this reference down? God said, Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? God identified his word as being like a fire. You remember, Luke 24, yeah, we're we, we getting, we getting a preach on today. We, we're going to just run with this. Luke 24, Th- those two disciples walk into a little town called Emmaus, and, and there, there's another traveler comes and joins himself to them. They don't know it's Jesus at, at the very beginning. And when what happened is that they looked at him and was like, man, are you the only guy in town who doesn't know what's been going on these last few days? And, and, and Jesus is just kind of playing with them. What things? And, and so they tell him all about what happened to Jesus. And, and, and then Jesus responds to them once time, Oh, so... Uh, Slow of heart to believe all that the Gospels i mean all that the the Old Testament had proclaimed, and then he went all the way through the, the law through the psalms, through the prophets, and expounded all the things that the Word said about him, even though they didn 't recognize him yet, but later in the breaking of bread, they recognized him, and as soon as they did, woo, he vanished out of their sight that 's what the scripture says over in luke twenty four But their response was a very interesting response. They said, did not our hearts burn within us as he opened the scriptures to us? There's something about the scripture. There's something about the word of God that will cause you to burn. That will light your fire. They said, didn't our hearts burn within us? I read that one day and I thought, ooh, what a way to get (laughs) heartburned. That's the kind I want. Don't need any end acid either. The prophet Jeremiah, I'll tell you, let me tell you about Jeremiah. We're just going to go ahead and have a little machine gun fire right now. See, Jeremiah, I mean, imagine getting a call from God to go and preach. And the Lord said, there's just one little thing I got to tell you. Go preach. That's what I called you to do. That's what you need to do. But nobody's going to listen to you. I mean, that doesn't get you... Really warm and fuzzy about entering into that kind of ministry, but Jeremiah heeded the call. But you know, after a while, you know, he gets discouraged. I mean, it's discouraging when when you go in and doing what the Lord told you to do and nobody's listening. And he got to the point where he said, "That's it. I'm done. I'm through. I ain't doing this anymore." But it didn't last very long because it was just like fire, shut up in his bones. That's what he said. He said, I tried to hold back. I tried to keep my mouth shut and, and not talk anymore in his name. But he said, I couldn't help myself. Because his word was in me like fire shut up in my bones. Hallelujah. You know, God also said to Jeremiah, he said, behold, I will cause my words to be like fire in your mouth. It's amazing. His word is a fire. We see over in in, in Psalms and Proverbs, Psalms 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Proverbs 623 says that the commandment is a lamp. and The law is a light. So, his word is a lamp. Oh, yeah. We also see in Scripture the Holy Ghost in fire. We see what John the Baptist said. He said, I baptize you with water under repentance, but there's somebody coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unloose. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Hallelujah. Of course, you remember what happened on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost fell. When the Holy Ghost fell, fire fell. (laughs) Fire came and and, and rested on each one in that upper room. The fire of God. Holy Ghost and fire. Now this is interesting. We see the word. Now we see the spirit. You know, we need to be word in spirit, people. We need to be people of the word and people who are sensitive to the leading of the spirit. And we must have the combination of the two. That's very, very important. Because you know what? If you lack the combination of the word and the spirit, you're really having a a, a missing ingredient in your life. There, There are people that have been very strong on the word, which is good, which is right. But, but. You, you can't leave out the, the moving and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who wrote the book to begin with. That's right. Amen. How would you even understand the book without him? That's right. So I, I look at it this way. If you're going to have the lamp, which we just saw described as the word, his commandment is a lamp. Well, in order for the lamp to work, you got to have oil in your lamp. And what's oil represented as in the scripture? It's the anointing. It's him, the Holy Spirit. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. We see oil used all throughout the Old Testament. Especially during the, the ordination of the high priest. That was symbolic of the fact that now you are anointed to do this job. You're anointed. I love what David said. I will be anointed with fresh oil. Yeah. Hallelujah. So what, why am I talking about that? Because if you're going to have the word as your lamp, you can't have an empty lamp. Because if all you do is got a lamp without oil in your lamp, you still don't have fire. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> so if you've got the word as your lamp, and you've got the oil of the Holy Spirit as well, then God can light you up. Yeah. Hallelujah. And you know it's interesting you look at for instance the the parable of the the 10 virgins that Jesus spoke about over in Matthew 25. The ultimate message of that parable was just simply be ready because you don't know when the Lord's coming. But 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 some of the other little things you get to see in there is that all 10 of these girls had lamps. But when they went out to to get ready for For the big wedding day. Five of them had oil and five of them did not bring oil. And you know if your lamp don't have oil. Your lamp's not going to do any good. So they got to the point where they said. Can we borrow some oil? Because our lamps are going out. I don't want to be found in these last days. With my lamp going out. Because I don't have oil. I want to be somebody who's rock solid with the lamp, the word, the lamp to my feet. And rock solid with the oil, the oil of the Holy Ghost. Because when you have the lamp and the oil, then you have the fire. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Someone once said this about the, the, the importance of the combination between being a person of the word and a person of the spirit. They said it like this. That if you're all word and no spirit, then you dry up. If you're all spirit and you're no know word, you blow up. But if you got the spirit and the word working together, then you grow up. Hallelujah. I'll say a big amen to that. There's an important aspect of of the fire for us. We we see God as a fire. His word is a fire. His spirit is a fire. But there's a responsibility on our end. Because like anything in the Christian life, it's not all up to him. As a matter of fact, he's done his part. If you're waiting for God to do something, (laughs) you'll be waiting a long time. He's done his part. The obligation is on us to cooperate with him and do our part for us to get and to stay fired up. Don't you know that uh, the scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5, quench not the spirit. Don't quench them. In other words, don't put the fire of the spirit out. Why would the Bible say that? Because there's a possibility that we could do something to put the fire out. And you know, when the fire gets low, you know who Jesus holds responsible? Us. That's what happened to the church of Laodicea when Jesus spoke to those seven churches in the book of Revelation, chapter 2 and chapter 3. And he talked to Laodicea. He said, I know your works, I know you're neither cold nor hot. He said, I wish you were one or the other. But because you're lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. And then he went to address some of the serious flaws that they had that they didn't realize they had because they thought they were all that and had it all together. And Jesus said to them, you're poor, blind, pitiable, miserable, naked. I mean, you just don't have it together, though you think you do. And you know, ultimately, the last thing Jesus said. Oh, I got to read this to you. The last thing Jesus said was this. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Interesting choice of words, zealous. Because those are some key words that have to do with the fire of God. You've got zealous, zeal. And the word fervent. Those are some words that when you see, you can relate those to the fire of God. And so this church that obviously lost their fire, were no longer hot, turned to lukewarm. Jesus told them to be zealous and repent. Be zealous. In other words, get fired back up again. As a matter of fact, an interesting thing, the New Living Translation of that, Jesus said, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent and turn from your indifference. And you know, indifference is a big problem in the body of Christ. Because, you know, when you have that take it or leave it kind of attitude well, you know, if I go to church, it's all right. If I don't, no big deal. You know, if I, if I happen to, to do the right thing, well, all right. If not, no big deal. And, 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 and not, not taking God's priorities as your priorities and having this blasé kind of attitude towards things. Jesus said, get fired back up. Be zealous. Repent. Turn from that. You're going the wrong direction. Get fired back up again. As a matter of fact, some church folks are kind of like some people you've met before. You know, they just kind of always have this la-di-da kind of sway to them, you know. You ask them how they're doing, they say, oh, I, I'm chilling. Yeah, I'm chilling. <laughs> now, it's not across the board, but uh, <laughs> so, so I, I, I'm not going to apply this to every use of the word. But a lot of times, you know what chilling sounds like to me? Don't have a job and ain't looking hard to get one. (laughs) Just chilling. And spiritually speaking, there have been folks just chilling in church for years. And what the Lord wants to do is light a fire (laughs) under you. Because, yeah, you're chilling, and the Lord said, yeah, you are chilling. You're chilling because your fire, if it ever been there, been out a long time. You know, you ever come across somebody, they're not fired up about anything. I mean, it's like, does anything excite you? Does does anything push your button or you just kind of? Bumping along. Good word, Dan. That's it. And, And spiritually speaking, there's been a lot of who've done that. And the word of the Lord to you is you can keep on chilling if you want to, but your chilling won't be thrilling. Look, God, I feel a rhyme coming on. Here we go. Your chilling won't be thrilling. Because if you want to be thrilling, you need to get some Holy Ghost filling. Hey. Amen. Glory to God. So what you're going to do, it's time to do what Jesus instructed the church of Laodicea to do. Be zealous and repent. Get back with it. Get fired up again. I love what Paul said. He said, stir up the gift of God. Just like you, you know, you, you got the coals in the fireplace, and, and they're still hot, but but you know, they're just kind of settled down. They need to get stirred up. Stir up the coals inside of you. Get the fire blazing again. Romans 12 tells us not to be lagging in our diligence, but to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, it's it's interesting. Even Jesus is identified as a very zealous, fired up individual. You know, when Jesus cast out the money changers out of the temple, the first verse that his disciples brought to recollection was a verse that said, the zeal of your house has eaten me up. The zeal of your house has consumed me. Isaiah actually prophesied about Jesus that he would wear zeal as a cloak. So i tell you, you want to have an example before you are fired up? Jesus was fired up. Hallelujah. You know, it's time to pray some on fire prayers. Go ahead over to Colossians 4. Time to pray some on fire prayers. You know, some people joke around about the people that are at the restaurant that that are are are, are trying to kind of be their undercover Christian self, and and, and they pray what's called the the headache prayer. You know, one of these. You know, when you're blessing the food. Like, look left. Look right. Come on now. As a matter of fact, I've gotten to the point where, where I, you know what, you just, one of the greatest days in your life when would, would you stop caring and concerning about some things that you used to be so concerned about. If you think I'm a nut, I don't care. As a matter of fact, I am responsible before God not to be a show-off, but to let people see my good works. Matthew, 6, Matthew 5, 16. As a matter of fact, he said, well, verses before that, he said, if, if you got a lamp, you don't hide it under a bushel. You put it on the lampstand so it, it sheds light to everybody in the house. And then he talks about your, your, your good works. Yeah, good works. Pastor talked about it last week, I understand. I wasn't here, but he told me what he preached about. And it's interesting. They won't save you, but they sure are supposed to be the fruit of what happens to you when you get saved. Not saved by good works, but saved unto good works. Big distinction between the two. But I just love that, I I, I think I got that here, that Matthew 5, verse 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You know, there comes a time where you just got to put the Lord on display a little bit. But it's the motive of your heart that makes a difference. You're not doing it for the pat on your back. Because if you're doing that, you know, Jesus talked about that real clearly, you'd lose your reward. But if you're doing it so people would see your good works and not glorify you, but glorify your Father which is in heaven, then your motive's right. And that's a good work that will stand the test of the fire on judgment day. Cautions for, I gave you enough time to get there, so I'm sure you're there by now. Look at verse 12, talking about uh, one fired up individual here named Epaphras. Talking about praying on fire prayers. said, Epaphras, who is one of you, a bondservant of Christ, greets you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has a great zeal for you and for those who are in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. You know, it's interesting that this guy here, Epaphras, the scripture says that he had a great zeal for the church of the Colossians, but he also had a great zeal for the church at Laodicea. And I'm glad that he had some zeal for that church in Laodicea because we just read about them and they sure needed some zeal. Isn't that interesting? That was the very same church we were talking about that Jesus addressed uh, in in, uh, Revelation 3 where he told them that you're lukewarm and not cold or hot. Told them be zealous and repent. That was the church of Laodicea. And this gentleman here, Epaphras, was identified as one who had zeal for that church. Now, I tell you, wouldn't it be a shame that it took an outsider to get fired up for them rather than them being fired up on their own? Interesting point. Some of these little things you see in the scripture, you, you can read over it so many times and then one day you just make a connection. It's like, hmm, interesting. Nobody else, somebody else can pray for you, but ultimately nobody else can do it for you. You're responsible for that fire on your own. But I tell you, you sure can pray fiery prayers for other people. And that's what he did. He was always laboring fervently in prayer. Oh, I love that. Don't you know what James said? That the effectual fervent prayer Of a righteous man avails much. The Amplified Bible says, makes tremendous power available. What kind of prayer? Some kind of dud of a prayer with with no faith in it? No, 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 a fervent prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. We need to pray on fire prayers. We need to let our tongue burn with heaven's fire. Let me tell you this. Jesus said that, the uh, not Jesus, James in his epistle talked about the tongue over in chapter three. And he said that the, uh, the, the tongue was set on fire of hell. And I know you can probably think of a lot of people you met and it's like, yeah, their tongue's on fire and it's set on fire with some hell fire. But you know, The flip side of that is if your tongue can be set on fire with hellfire, can your tongue also be, conversely speaking, set on fire with heaven's fire? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As a matter of fact, I think of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. He was describing the majesty of of the Lord as he had that vision that day. And he said that that one of the seraphim took some tongs and took a coal from off the altar and, and touched his mouth. And he said, like this coal has touched your lips, now you are clean and purged of your sin. Think about that, that rather than you having a, tongue that's set on fire of hell's fire that you could have your lips touched with a coal off of heaven's altar and have your tongue lit with heaven's fire instead hallelujah but whose choice is that it's ours go to first corinthians 3 And this is the passage from which we get our title this morning Fire Works. 1 Corinthians 3. Glory be to God. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit making this alive to us. Verse 11, 1 Corinthians 3, we'll start there. It says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So when the day comes, all of our works will go through the fire. And the question is, are our works of the quality that will withstand the fire or are works of the quality that will get burned up. And therefore, the little play on words, fire works. Because whatever your works are, they do have to go through the fire. But I say this to you, that you can, the, the scripture does say, that you can stand confidently and have boldness in the day of judgment. So I am confident and I absolutely believe that there's a way to know the results you're going to get on your works test before you get to that day. Oh yeah. I look at it this way. It's fire now or fire later. Fire now or fire later. You can't escape the fire. Fire now or fire later. As a matter of fact, Edwin Lewis Cole, who's now in heaven, had an amazing ministry called the Christian Men's Network. He had a, a video that, that, uh, that he had out, a sermon he preached. It's called Choose Your Fire, Revival or Judgment. I like that. But, you know, fire now or fire later. 1 Corinthians 11 says that if we judge ourselves, We won't be judged. So, if you let the fire of God work on you now, get all up in your works now, then you can know that when the day comes, that because you've already been tried by fire, and have already come out as gold and silver, you won't have one result now And another result later, you'll know that the results will be good for you on judgment day. Why? Because you let the fire of God work in you, not just waiting for that day to come, but you did it now. You let his fire burn in you now. You let his fire purge you now. You let his fire refine you now. Jesus was identified as a refiner. Malachi prophesied of Jesus. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? It said, he'll be like a refiner's fire. He will sit like a refiner and a purifier of silver. He'll purify the sons of Levi. Purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Job said, when he has tested me, I shall come forth as gold. The Psalm said, Psalm 66, 10, You've refined us as silver is refined. First Peter 1 7. Listen to this. As a matter of fact, go ahead and turn there real quick. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7 says this, says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Let me say this to you. If you're refined by him now, you can know that your works will survive the fire later. If you allow him to refine you now, you'll know that on judgment day, you'll stand the test. And rather than your works burning up like wood, hay, and straw, they will come through the fire as purified Gold, silver, and precious stones. So as we finish up talking about fireworks, let me say this to you. Scripture says in Titus, we need to be zealous for good works. On fire with good works. Not just on fire to do them, but on fire to have the quality of things that will pass God's test. Do you know that one of the things that I believe is very, very important in what is the difference between the gold and the silver and the precious stones and the wood, hay, and the straw? One of the biggest things is the intention and the motive of a person's heart. I'm absolutely, thoroughly convinced. Jesus talked about people. We alluded to it a little earlier. He talked about people that were doing things to be seen of men not in the positive sense that we were talking about, but in the negative sense, in a prideful look at me kind of sense. That'll get burned up because I'm not the right hard attitude behind it. And you know, you can fool everybody, but you can't fool him. So if there's a stinking attitude behind what appears to be a good work, he'll see it. He'll smell it a mile away, a million miles away. You ain't going to fool him. So, with our works and being zealous for good works, the number one way that I believe that we can make sure that our works are pleasing before him and are the kind of works that will stand the test of the fire is by saying to it that our motive and our heart is right behind what we do. Amen? As a matter of fact, talking about fiery works. The scripture talks about loving one another fervently with a pure heart. Two verses in 1 Peter mention that. one twenty-two and 4.8. 1 Peter one twenty-two, he says, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Over in chapter 4, verse 8, he said, and above all things, have fervent love one another. Imagine being fired up about your love walk. Yeah. Fired up about your love walk. When you know that, you know, I, I, I'd rather not do something kind for somebody because they're a real pain in the neck. And yet I'm told to love fervently. And I'm going to love them fervently. If it burns me up to love them, I'm going to love them fervently. (laughs) Hallelujah. How hot are you when it comes to your love walk? The Bible says we need to be hot. We need to be fervent when it comes to our love walk. Amen? Amen. One last place I want you to go is we're going to sum this up. Go to Romans 12. talking about good works and talking about the importance of the right motivation behind your good works, don't you know this? That the most important motivating factor is love. If the love of God is your motivating factor, wow, what a good position that puts you in to pass the test. That's why the scripture says, To love fervently, have fervent love for one another. And in Romans 12, look at verse 20. It says, therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Talk about fireworks. Imagine doing works to somebody works of kindness and love that'll end up putting coals of fire on their head. People have wondered about the meaning of that over the years. I think it's pretty simple. It's where you're being kind to somebody and it's just burning them up. They can't figure out why. You're being so kind and loving to them and it bothers them. And ultimately, in a lot of cases, leads people to repentance. I'm going to protect the innocent, or should I say the guilty, by telling this story. And I'm not going to mention the name. But there is a a story about a current member of this very body. Who met Pastor Sam about a quarter century ago. And at the time he met Pastor Sam, he was just a fired up heathen. <laughs> He's on fire. He's lit by the fire of hell at the time. And was just as belligerent. And actually, imagine this. At a certain event, tried to pick a fight with the pastor, tried to see if I can get, get this text in. To get all riled up with me. Just full of the devil. But you know what? Pastor Sam, walking in love, didn't fall for that. And treated him with kindness anyway. And so this wild heathen, (laughs) for the next week, couldn't hardly sleep because it bothered him so much and within one week of being the guy who tried to pick a fight with the pastor he was born again and to this very day is seriously actively serving the Lord what happened the hot coals of fire were put on his head figuratively speaking He couldn't stand it. It bothered him. He couldn't figure it out. But what did it lead to? It led him to being melted with the kindness that was shown to him. Melted his heart to the point where this hard-hearted guy became a softy at the altar in the presence of God. Are you ready to go forth and do fireworks in his name?